Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. While I was working as a park ranger in Appalachia, I had my share of creepy encounters. So, I've got two experiences worth sharing. I'll start with the less dramatic of the two. Seven years ago four of us were on a July patrol trip in the US. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yosemite National Park. It was day three of week-long patrol trail and we were stopped to rest at midday before pushing on over the divide and finding a suitable spot to stop for the night. Our resting spot was on the shore of a small lake right around 10,000 feet in elevation. It was nearing Timberline, in the zone where the only trees were low-growing bushes. 
The shore of the lake was mostly rock shelves, right at the waterline and relatively level. After we shed our packs and got the dogs out of theirs we stretched out in the sun and just relaxed. While we were laying there, there was a tremendous splash about 30 yards down the shore from us. The kind of splash that would come from a huge rock slash boulder being hurled into the water. At the concussion we bolted up and turned around to see what had caused the ruckus. We could see by the disturbance on the surface of the lake where the rock, or something, had entered the water 50 feet or so from the shore. As I said, the lake shore was level. There were no cliffs of any sort the rock could have fallen from. The only trees were low-growing bushes. As we sat there and regained our composure we quietly discussed what might be responsible for the commotion. Our theories ranged from Bigfoot to meteors, and everything in between. To this day we still discuss what happened there and I will occasionally pull up the picture I took of the lake shore just to remind myself how weird and unexplainable it was. Like I said, not overly dramatic, but totally weird. I have been a park ranger for 11 years. Not going to say where I work but it is a very large park. This story took place in spring of 2008. The park that I worked at had a very big drinking problem with youths trespassing all the time. We had calls almost every nights, I worked nights most of my career. One day a member of the public who were camping had called in saying that there were a large group of youths making noise and drinking. I was dispatched and starting walking over in the dark I tried to sneak up, this was a breach of my standard operating procedure, to try to apprehend as many as I can. I managed to apprehend four to five, don't clearly remember, and all the others ran into the woods. My prediction was that were as many as 20 people from what I saw. I radioed through to dispatch to get a couple of deputies out here to take over. Deputies arrived at this point. I was all alone in the middle of nowhere. I radioed through to try to get guided back to the more civilized part of the woods. At this point I had already walked quite far and radio connection was breaking up. We had bad radios back then, as I approached a part of the woods I was familiar with, I looked behind me and saw someone walking up to me very slowly. I then called out hello. No response. At this point radio contact was back. I radioed in saying that I have spotted someone. At this point the figure is maybe 40 meters away. I then called out stop and are you okay? No response. As the figure came closer it just disappeared. I couldn't make out what it was. Next day came a normal day. Mentioned to my friend who had worked here for 10 years. I mentioned what happened and he made a scared face and said it's nothing. Got up and walked away. In 2013 I left work at the sheriff's office. Never mentioned to anyone except some close friends while drunk. I'm a park warden. I spend most of my shifts alone, working 5.30pm to 2.30am in the Canadian wilderness. We have about 300 campsites, a handful of beaches and the infrastructure that goes with them, showers, etc. It just happens that my park is closed for the winter, which are standard Canadian, feet upon feet of snow and blistering cold, so there is no staff in the park from mid-October to early April. Years ago, 
a man decided to end it all via a sawed-off shotgun, down by the river on one of the beaches in late November, and no one found him until the spring melt. This beach is at the farthest north point of the park and is pretty isolated, but as it has a beach it requires at least one patrol an evening. I was down in the showers at that specific beach around 7 p.m. on a very overcast day, no sun yo create shadows. I was checking the supplies and the first aid kits and signing off on fire extinguishers. The weather was blah so there were no campers out or patrons anywhere near the beach, and the parking lot was empty except for my cruiser. All of a sudden a feeling of intense panic washed over me and I booked it to my cruiser. Get in, slam the door, take a few deep breaths and wait for the feeling to pass. After a minute or two I get back to business, but this time sitting in my locked car, which is still parked in the same spot, filling out binders and work logs. Suddenly, a huge dark shape moves across my driver's side window and I screamed and jumped back, my immediate thought was someone had been lurking and was about to try and smack the glass slash open the door. Sure as shit, it's empty. Not a soul around. You can bet your ass I left any and all future maintenance tasks in that neck of the park to be done by the day shift. Floored it out of there with a giant F that. Maybe not the scariest or most shocking story that'll be posted, but it rattled me hard and I now refuse to do foot patrols down there at night three years later. We were going on a patrol. As a park rangers, this was our job. So, there's this spooky abandoned train tunnel in my state where a bunch of people died 100 years ago, so now it's haunted allegedly. I brought a colleague with me on the patrol since it was a long one. The area and scenery were beautiful, but the tunnel itself was something else. My buddy, let's just call him Ed, was a bit more nervous than me and didn't want to go too far in. I wanted to go as far as I could, which turned out not to be far, because the tunnel was blocked by impassable debris. But wait! There was a small hole on the side of the debris mound and it turns out I could crawl through, so I asked hey Ed you feel like crawling? Nah dude no, thanks. So I took off my pack and coat and squirmed through. On the other side was the rest of the tunnel, but with water that went up to nearly the top of the mound on the other side, as far as the eye can see. Dang! I would have to swim in ice-cold nasty water for who knows how long to keep exploring. Nah. So I decided to crawl back. My buddy Ed was nervous, but we weren't done yet. Next we busted out just one tool for detecting ghosts. EMF reader. As someone who is pretty scientific I tested it multiple times and made sure it was working before bringing it. We decided to try and contact ghosts in the tunnel. I was pretty confident nothing would happen. We turned off all our electronics and lights so it was pitch black with just the infreeder on. I asked pretty basic questions to the ghost, asked it to come in front of my scanner so I'd know it was there, etc. We did this for a while. Nada. No reading. No surprise. So we headed back. Decided to keep my infreeder on. And then as we were walking back. Suddenly it goes to two lights. Thought maybe our flashlights were causing it, so we turned them off. Nope. Still two lights. Reset the device. Two solid lights. I think something's here dude. 
My adrenaline started flowing into my body now, yet I was still skeptical. I started asking it questions again, and then my imp signal got even stronger, and we both were getting chills and the hairs on our skin were standing up. Around this time we heard something, kinda sounded like a distant cough, but it was so fast it was easy to dismiss. I reset the device again. Still getting a strong signal from something, and it's not coming from us. I then said is it alright if we stay in the tunnel with you a bit longer? Meter instantly went back to zero. Surprised, but confident now I asked do you want us to leave? Then it instantly went back up to high. Okay, I was pretty convinced at this point. We headed for the entrance to the tunnel and discussed our experience. However, when we were at the entrance, we noticed that the imp was picking up another signal, just above and to the side of us now. But if you pointed it in a different direction there was nothing. We left after that, but we think the ghost may have been hanging out by the entrance waiting for us to leave. You could always say that the imp was faulty, or picking up something else, but I'm sure that device was working. I tested it so many times before and after, and there was nothing on us producing imp. Also considering that we didn't get any reading in there for the vast majority of the time we were there. Truly mind-boggling. Still processing it. I was patrolling my usual forest trails at night. I've been a ranger for 8 years now. And nothing had ever scared me as much, as this one experience that I encountered. Well what I think was a Bigfoot. Doing my routine patrol, on this night. It all started with me, walking along the same trail I do, at night to do my rounds. Being Florida it had rained earlier in the day. So everything was calm and peaceful. Minus the puddles of mud here and there. The sun had set about an hour or two before which, meant it was exceptionally dark outside. Although I was already used to this. The moon was barely out. I saw a few other rangers patrolling with me. But they had passed by. And somewhere out of nowhere maybe about 30 minutes later, I was walking along the dirt trail when I noticed something appeared in front of me. A dark large figure coming from the right side of the path, and then crossing in front of me. As it headed off into some thick brush off to my left. Palmetto's actually. This is directly where I patrol, meaning there should most definitely not be anything, even remotely close to resembling whatever this thing was. Its speed is what surprised me. And took me off guard. Considering, it didn't even give me enough time to turn around and see what it looked like. All I could make out was that it was jet black, very tall, and easily, taller than I was. It moved quickly. I didn't have time to react until laughter had already gone into the bushes disappearing as quickly as it had appeared. Deep in the palmettos. My heart sunk, and I felt an odd sensation. It was this incredible feeling of fear. All I can think about is how much more dangerous it had just made my job that night. If there was some large animal out here, that moved fast, was taller than I and larger than I that actually crossed paths with me like it did. What else might be lurking on here? Would it cross paths with me again, was this thing actually looking for me? As I thought about it more, I consider the fact that. If something was after me then maybe whatever it was might be prepared to attack. Although I wasn't going to back down without a fight. 
I began getting angry, maybe it was my mind playing tricks on me. But I was a few hours away from my shift, ending and talking myself into returning to the station. Telling myself that if I did, I would be safe. If this thing is out there, it's just as much looking for me as it is anybody else. So now more than ever, getting to my ranger station was my only priority. I didn't really know what it was or what to think about it, but there was only one way to find out. And that was by continuing my patrol. Now I stood still for a moment, debating with myself on whether or not I should continue. Remembering all the times going back home early and made me feel like a failure. Although I had never encountered anything like this before. It didn't mean there was nothing out there. It only means that whatever it was, hadn't bothered me yet. But now, that it had crossed paths with me I might be next on this list of things to kill. That would have made me sick. The rest of my story is pretty uneventful. Unfortunately, after this not a lot happened. I didn't see the figure again. And as I look back on this event and reflect, I believe I encountered a skunk ape, a Bigfoot. Native to the Florida Everglades. While it was probably harmless and didn't want to actually hurt or kill me. It was still completely terrifying. I still don't know if this creature was real or not. But that didn't matter. Regardless of what it actually is. I'm convinced that whatever it was it wanted to hurt me. Or so I had convinced myself. And still wonder. I worked as a forest ranger during my college summers, several years before stories of things like skinwalkers became culturally commonplace, certainly before I'd heard of them. And one year we had a night hike activity with story stations. My station had me by myself up on a cliff that overlooked the river, and about halfway through the hike. I was generally the furthest from the other staff at any given time, but because I was in charge of the nature programs, I knew those woods like the back of my hand. I wasn't frightened in the least, unless there was recent rain, I could usually get to and from my station without a light. There was another activity where the kids would lead me blindfolded somewhere and I would lead them back, still blindfolded. I knew those woods and those trails. The program staff slash storytellers would get a notice to turn off our radios before the first group started the trail. After that, it was dead silence in the dark woods until the first group got there. Since I was fairly far through, it would usually be 15 to 20 minutes before the first group of kids came through. One night I'm up there, waiting, this steep cliff about two feet behind where I was sitting, and I hear this kid's voice from what sounded like about 10 feet behind me saying my name, clear as day. Now, it might not seem all that strange to hear a kid say your name at a camp, even when you think you're alone, but it's important to note here that we used nicknames for safety reasons. And there was not a single child on the 200-acre camp property who actually knew my first name. The staff did, but they were all at least 50 yards away, and this was very much a child's voice. It was also coming from what should have been mid-air. Scared me so bad I had to leave my station and set up closer to the next one so I could at least talk to her in the darkness. Over the course of the summer, almost all of the program staff had similar experiences on those night hikes, until we finally scrapped the activity because nobody wanted to be out in the woods alone without radios anymore.
I honestly don't know how to explain what had happened to me. I believe I saw some sort of Native American entity. I was working as a ranger for the city of Austin, Texas. I just had one left of our reserve campsites. When a very strange thing occurred. This was about 10.30 at night, I was driving my four-wheel drive pickup truck on a dirt road that led back to the entrance of the park. The area is a wooded hillside spanning 200 acres. And contains a very large number of wildlife. So being a night time, many animals are nocturnal. I was watching for signs of their movement, on either side of me. It was quiet, and I was the only one around. I had been following the road closely, when I got this strong sensation. The road, everything around it. Dense woods, I looked up just as a deer ran out in front of my truck. Directly in my path. It was something like 40 yards ahead of me. When I saw it I reacted immediately, by pulling onto the shoulder slamming my brakes. The deer now was only about 10 feet away from my truck, when I swerved and it vanished. As soon as it went out of sight, the feeling that it told me to look up subsided. Everything went back to normal. There were no other cars on the road, of course being just mine I sat in place. Trying to collect my bearings. My heart was beating fast and I had a headache, and I couldn't explain these feelings. What on earth? So something brought my attention to the hillside. Right where the deer had come from. And that's when I saw movement. About 50 yards into the brush. It wasn't clear. I got out of my truck to inspect. And walked up to the spot where I thought I had seen the movement, through the tree line. The woods were pretty thick. But about 20 feet into them. There was a small opening, and trees with lower branches and ones that were not as wide or tall. They almost kind of formed a natural corridor that maybe I'd say, 50 yards opened up to the hillside before becoming obscured by the other trees and foliage. The ground sloped slightly upward. Many leaves, I called out with my flashlight thinking why would there be somebody out here? It didn't make any sense. Thinking maybe I was just seeing things. Or it might be another deer. There was no answer and that was it. I assumed it was just my own paranoia. Now I didn't hear anything move past me. So I decided to inspect further because why not? Calling out loudly, I knew, at least I'm pretty sure I saw a movement. And again, there should be no reason at all why anybody should be this for out here late at night. The movement I saw was more like a person, not a deer. At least I'm sure of it. So I kind of very shortly walked up the hillside. Never hearing a sound. I decided finally, that okay, enough is enough. I'm gonna leave and head back to my truck. As soon as I got in, I realized there was something wrong. Something strange and paranormal if you will. As soon as I got back in my truck, is when I saw it. Coming out of the woods ahead of me, slightly up from where the deer emerged. Is what I can only unmistakably describe as an apparition. It was this glowing translucent being but unmistakably a spirit. It shimmered seeming to be faint but nearly transparent. It came closer to my truck and appeared as if it were getting bigger. But also darker. And more solid at the same time. It was this light grayish color and then would grow darker in color. Kind of pulsating. It just walked right past the front of my truck. With no fear or concern about my presence, whatsoever. 
It just walked by like nothing was there, with some kind of purposeful stride. Without having so much to even the look, of curiosity. And then, right there in my view just vanished. Fading into obscurity. Not wasting a second I flew my vehicle out of there. And my only mission in that moment was to go go go. Before this, I thought ghosts were a joke. I had never been a believer in the paranormal. Or what many refer to as the spirit realm. But after this that changed my mind. And I'll never forget what I saw but, it wasn't until the following morning when I really kind of fully mentally processed what I saw. Surprisingly because I didn't sleep that much. But a thought occurred to me, and I realized what it really happened. What I saw looked like a stereotypical image of a native. Long hair, down to its shoulders feathers, a headdress actually. My professional theory is that somebody, a Native American, has gone through this road many times before in their lifetime. And they're simply showing me something that happened here at some point along the way. Maybe, they stumbled upon these woods at night, and for whatever reason they were killed on spot. By first contact European settlers who probably had no qualms about killing anybody different than them. Including women and children. I do not believe this entity or spirit to have been malicious. It didn't come off as that. It was just something that happened to them in their lifetime. This spirit was merely doing whatever some non-physical thing does, when in the process of trying to relive what happened. It's a possibility of this spot is where these people might have killed or injured in an altercation. Maybe they were stuck between this world and the next. I don't know. Maybe they've seen my truck hundreds of times out here late at night over the years and now. I'm able to pick up on whatever it happens to come through here. Who knows, anyway that's my experience with the paranormal hopefully it will be my last. I'm an environmental educator at a nature preserve so I spend a lot of time outdoors in sometimes isolated areas. There's one area of the park I try not to take groups of kids anymore. Once in a while we have to go through that trail, since it's a shortcut to the kayak launch and when it's 95 degrees outside you're ready for anything that'll make your trip shorter. When I started there one of the first things I did was to familiarize myself with all areas of the preserve. So I spent quite a bit of time hiking through all of the trails, even the rarely used ones, since I have to know my way around to navigate groups or go rescue someone if they get lost, which happens. One part of the preserve is an old homestead site of a now abandoned pineapple plantation. It was settled in the 1890s. We don't know much about the family beyond the name and the approximate year they settled there, and the approximate year the homestead was abandoned. This is in southern Florida and there are thousands of similarly abandoned homestead sites. The early settlers of that area had to be tough as nails. This was pre-railroad area, the nearest town was about 5 miles south through what would have been wilderness with no real roads. So these guys were on their own in a land absolutely bursting with mosquitoes, panthers, bears, and bad water. Water table is high and fresh water can be easily contaminated by the salt water nearby. In other words, early homesteaders were badasses because that was the only way they'd survive. There is a narrow trail through what was once the homestead site. On one of my first days, I decided to trek through there. 
I got about a half mile in when I started to get some weird vibes. I've always been sensitive to my surroundings and have spent. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. It's enough time in isolated natural areas to know that if something doesn't feel right, it probably means your instincts are picking up on something you should pay attention to. Usually this means your brain is picking up on minute movements on the ground that indicate an unfriendly snake may be nearby or another animal you don't want to confront. While the panthers are nearly gone, we've got aggressive wild boars and bobcats that freely roam. So I stop dead in my tracks and let my mind go quiet, looking around carefully for any warning signs. There weren't any, and I didn't see any recent tracks, but the bad vibe feeling was still there. I shrugged it off and kept going, the trail getting narrower. And the bad vibes kept growing deep in my gut. I felt I was being watched and followed. Now, this is an isolated area so the possibility that a person was following me was remote, but possible. I stopped every few meters but there were no sounds. Actually, none at all, not even birds. I started to sweat and my heart started to race. One thought kept echoing in my mind, you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here. Turn around. You are not welcome. Well F that, I thought. Just jittery from nervous new job feeling, I thought. I came to a bend in the trail and I stopped. My feet would go no further. In my mind, the phrase got louder and louder, you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here. I heard a crash coming from behind me, but when I turned to investigate, there was no one. Not animal, not human, nothing. The vegetation was sparse enough I would have been able to see something. 
I turned around and left. I put it down to nerves or me being a wimp or something, and sort of forgot about it. About a month later, I'm taking a camp group through to the kayak launch where our kayaks await us. I decided to take the kids through the narrow trail to save us about 10 minutes. We get to the same bend of the trail and the kids have gone silent. These are 9 years olds in summer camp. They are not silent. They're never silent. I look behind me to one kid who looks as though he's scared shitless. I don't like it here, he said. Why not? I asked. He looked me dead in the eye and said I feel like we shouldn't be here. I couldn't turn around at that point so we hustled to the kayak launch and all was well, but we were all a little on edge. I took another group through the trail a week later and again the kids were silent at that bend in the trail. For that whole summer, whenever I took the shortcut, kids would get silent and I'd get those bad vibes. I'd try not to go down that stretch of trail anymore if I can help it. Obviously this is nothing more than a gut feeling on my end but only a few other times in my life have I felt a gut feeling about a place that strongly. I don't know if it's the spirit of whatever homesteader was there or something else, and it's hard to describe, but it doesn't want people trespassing. As far as I know it's never hurt anyone but it seems to make everyone feel the same way, you're not welcome. Not a forest or park ranger but I hunt. When I say I hunt, I don't mean I sit in a tree stand, I mean I'm the guy out hunting by walking over the entire park with enough on my back to let me sleep at night sort of comfortably but little enough I won't mind dragging 150 pounds of yummy out of the woods. Alright, so I'm hunting a fairly large forest somewhere in the northeast corridor of the US. It's not uncommon to run into other people at the edges of the woods, it's fairly uncommon to run into people in the middle of the woods, even during hunting season, unless you're on the trails, which I wasn't, and it's decently common to run into the ruins of buildings from the 1800s. I happened to be hunting a new valley I was pretty sure had a crossing in it so, to set the view, I'm sitting on the top of a very steep shale slide looking down into a valley with a creek running through it. Approaching this plateau, there's a knife edge that runs up and down the ridge but there's really no way to get up to this spot except for the seriously determined, the drunk, and the foolish without walking up or down the edge. Getting up here creates quite a noise from the stones sliding on the stones, which means I know I need to sit up here for an hour to let things settle back down after I made the ascent. Since it's such a pain in the ass, I left my day pack at the bottom under a pine tree and only had a rifle, binoculars, water, and an energy bar. I'm up here for about three hours glassing this little piss of a stream looking for something to cross it and seeing nothing but squirrels and birds and I finally decide to start glassing the opposite hill out of sheer boredom. I am 90% sure I chose a poor spot and wasted an afternoon looking at nothing. Such is hunting, it's got really interesting days, and it's got really boring days, and this is why it's called hunting and not shooting. As I'm screwing around with the focus on the binoculars I catch a glimpse of something which almost looks like a person if they were wearing dark blue clothes and about 4 feet tall. 99% of the time the day hikers just pass by without realizing I'm here even with the blaze orange requirements. Or they pretend to ignore me, but you'd be amazed how many times someone has almost walked through my stand. Anyway, 
This person wasn't moving, which started to make me think I was wrong. It was just standing there, behind the cover of some low scrub brush and tree branches and I would have missed it were it not for the color. I zoom out a bit and realize I'm not looking at a person, but it's actually a collapsed cabin, and I was looking at where the door would be. Except it really looked like a person. And cabins aren't blue. I move the zoom back onto the door and play with the focus for about 5 minutes and I can't get the person to come back. In fact, the cabin door now has some light from the setting sun visible through the holes in the walls and roof. Whatever 4 feet tall thing I was looking at has moved. Sigh. Teenagers, right? I have that thought and then realize something else. I still can hear birds, and squirrels, and all the other things in the woods which typically go quiet when they notice something. Which means that they didn't notice me, but that also means they didn't notice whatever was in the cabin door a short time ago. I'm doing my best to stay quiet and not move and whatever it was certainly did move. I would expect everything in the woods to have gone for cover with a teenager crashing through the brush, but the noises almost made it worse. There was stuff moving in the brush. The problem was, stuff was moving around in the brush. I started to think it was a trick of the light, since the sun was setting, and it was getting to the part of the day when tree stumps looked like deer. I knew I would have to move soon and figured I might as well pack it up since I still had to get down off the shale and back to the pine tree where I had planned to throw a tarp and sleep. At this time I realized it wasn't dark per se, but it was overcast now. Again, the creepy experience isn't that there's something obviously wrong, it's that everything is so completely normal for what I would expect were I alone. About this time a fog rolled into the valley, which the combination of overcast weather conditions, sunset, and a ground fog coming up in the wet, low valley had signaled it was time to leave. I checked my safety, put the caps on my glass, and reached up to take down my orange flag. The moment I grabbed the flag, the dread came. That's the only way to describe it, the woods went from animals going home to sleep to full on your done. The movement had attracted what I could only describe as a thousand invisible eyes which all turned in unison as they noticed me. Even wonder what a deer feels in the headlights? This is it. Then I heard children. I heard children laughing. Not teenagers. Not adults. Not women. But full-on five-year-old kids laughing like they caught a firefly. I had hiked in five miles the previous day through woods and put down two more today when I woke up to get to this spot and I distinctly hear children laughing during what I could only describe as the most creepy moment I've ever had in a valley I know is completely unoccupied having stared at it for the last four hours or so. I am pretty sure my feet only touched the shale three times getting down from the knife edge, and I made a ton of noises doing it too. At this point I didn't really care. I grabbed the pack and my flashlight and absolutely full-on rucked it to the next hilltop. I killed my light halfway up the hill, and then went to the top of the hill, where I threw down the tarp and unrolled my foam, and there I sat all night watching the hill I just came from. I grew up outside of a relatively small town in Texas, and more importantly, in a haunted house. Well, to be more accurate, on haunted land and I'd like to tell a few stories as well as my own experiences. Now, 
a little background which gives some context to why I say land instead of just house. My childhood home sat about 100 yards, or a football field, off of the Colorado River, on about 100 acres of land technically owned by the city. It's a public city park that lays outside of the boundaries of the city, yeah, it's that kind of ass-backwards place, notwithstanding all the other political bullshit you'd expect out of a small, southern town. Anyway, back to the actually important information. My father is the live-in park ranger for this city. It's not a bad gig, all things considered, though in my opinion he could be paid more for being maintenance and authority figure that's on call 24 hours a day, 365 a year. This means if someone gets locked out, if a camping site loses power or has problems, or there is a conflict, someone is knocking at our door no matter the hour. It's always been this way, since I was about 7 years old, and I'm now 29. He's a tough old man, almost 55 years old and not all that inclined to share spooky stories of things he's seen and been told, though he does believe in ghosts. He'll try and find the rational explanation for why things happen before he caves and admits it was a ghost, even if my and my mother know damn well what it is. Now, I give this background because it's important to note that when things go wrong, he's usually the first person on the scene. This includes the time we had some jet skis explode while a father slash daughter were riding them. They were fine, thank goodness, alligators roll up on a campsite, personal disagreements, people trying to be sneaky and not pay by showing up after dark, people doing illegal substances or trying to get freaky in the backseat in the rough camping part of the park, and of course being right on the river, drownings. For some reason people love to drink and swim, and someone drowns about every three years minimum. We're actually due for another drowning, following the pattern, I don't hope people drown, but the memory of the last ones don't seem to stick as long as they should. Anyway, dad is usually the first on the scene either to try and help the people, or to direct the ambulance and police, and eventually the search for the bodies. Most appear after a day, one took three days and mom said that's the only time she's seen dad truly disturbed. It's not a fun part of the job, and dad dreads summer and spring when people start coming out and acting stupid. Please, please, do not drink and swim and if your kid isn't a strong swimmer, even if they are, please put a flotation of some kind on them if you're swimming in a river or lake, for your sake and everyone else's. So, people drown, sad as it is. That being said, these drownings have led to several spirits that hang around. Our most popular one to be reported is the first man my father helped try and find the body for. He was wearing a white shirt, blue jeans and was a friendly man by nature. Now I need you to know, I have only seen him once myself after his passing. My mother and my father have both seen him multiple times, and many campers have seen him. One gentleman who likes to fish was out late, close to midnight returned to his car, alone as he'd been all day. He gets his gear in, gets in himself and goes to buckle up after starting his car, only to see the smiling figure of the man in the white shirt and jeans in the passenger seat. He leapt out and when he turned around, saw no one in his car. It's been almost five years, and this fisher no longer comes out by himself if he's staying after dark. Other campers have reported seeing a man sitting at a table, white shirt and jeans, 
who will see them and raise his hand as if to wave at them. People will go to wave back onto to realize no one is there. My mother used to work early morning shifts, 3 a.m. to 2 p.m. And she'd see him standing outside of the office on her way to work from time to time. My own experience with him is simple but spooky, I was sitting in the office with a friend one night talking, about 10.30, my parents now live above the office after Hurricane Harvey. Anyway, we were sitting there, and I see out the window over my friend's shoulder, a figure walk by the window like it was going to walk through the double glass doors of the office. Now I live in a park, meant for camping and visiting. However it's important to note that the park was a, closed due to our sewer system getting redone, and b, it was the middle of the week and most people don't show up then. It was the man in the white shirt and jeans, and I knew that he was coming to buy something from the office, I was spooked, who wouldn't be, and my friend and I retreated upstairs rapidly. He's never been threatening, and I'm sort of glad the flood didn't take him away. However, even with him on the land, there are worse things that are here. My childhood home which, I must admit, I'm sort of still grieving and grateful I cannot live in again, was destroyed in Hurricane Harvey. It had two feet of water in it and emotionally devastated our family. There is something that still lives in that husk now used for storage, and I hate it. Growing up, my bedroom was used during the day by myself, and never at night. When I was little, I often had night terrors that had me shrieking for my mother, and sleeping on the couch instead. She told me that I often said she has no face when I was asked why I was crying at night. By time I was nine, the couch in the living room was my bed, and my bedroom helped a cheap futon. The feeling of being watched, of something standing behind you was and is overwhelming. I hated it. Even when I slept in the living room, I had to have the door to that room shut, as well as the one next to it, the feeling of being stared at was so strong. We had a door to the garage at one end of the living room, and one doorway to the kitchen. The garage door was open during the day, and there was no tangible door to the kitchen. What I saw in these parts of the house I can't say were human-like, but they at least wanted to be seen as it. They felt wrong, very wrong. Have you ever seen someone walk quickly by an open doorway? My mother and I, and we think my father but he'll deny it saw these tall figures blur by, mostly dark but occasionally pale. I hated seeing them, I always had this awful sense of dread and anxiety, a fear they'd not walk by the doorway but walk into the room I was in. I think they did, more than once. I used to walk in circles in our living room while on the phone with my now platonic partner. As I'd walk by the couch, I'd feel as if something brushed against or wrapped around my ankle and it always terrified me. I was always scared to look behind me or under the couch, as a grown woman of 20-something. It hated those things, those moments. They liked to touch my hair and ankles as I tried to sleep, and I'd say it might have been sleep paralysis except it was only ever after I closed my eyes initially, and falling asleep was an hours-long trial. Mom often experienced seeing them and hates them too. Since dad is on call 24-7, there are times he has to go out at night, much to our anxiety. We'd often hear the front door open and shut, or hear his voice, and call out to see what had happened or what was wrong. About half the time, he wasn't even home, 
and for a time we'd write it off that we'd just heard things, until the dogs started responding to it too. We used to have a lab mastiff mix who would growl any time this happened and move closer to my mom like he was defending her. I've seen things dart under curtains or beneath sinks, found drawers open and things knocked over and open that had screw on tops or push in tops that no one had touched in months. One time a mounted deer head from my grandfather came off its hook and cracked me in the head, the nail it was on is unbent and undamaged but it hurt, I assure you. Anyway, more recently during my current visit home, mom says that when she goes over to the house, or what used to be our house, she doesn't like going inside anymore. She says that when she takes the dogs out at night for bathroom breaks, she doesn't look in the dark windows, the house and my childhood home share a massive yard, even if her instincts are telling her to. She's scared that if she does something will be looking back at her, or feels like something is looking back at her when she does. I have these same feelings, and sometimes when I'm on doggy duty, the feeling that something is peeking over the seven-foot fence. This post is long, but I'd like to finish it by saying that our new home above the office is much more peaceful. Something opened the locked bathroom door the other night while I was visiting my parents, and an entire shelf popped off its rack in the cabinets a few weeks before that. Strange things still happen, but I'll be honest to say that I'm glad it's nothing like at the old home. These aren't the only moments I've had, which range from hearing muffled conversations for hours in the childhood home in the dead of night when everyone was asleep, to hearing it again at my friend's house for months and months. I've also experienced things at the high school where I teach, so I'm not sure if it's me or my life, but I'll never be persuaded the supernatural isn't real. Basically, Park Ranger helped us deal with the supernatural. In late fall of 2015 me and my family decided to go to Gettysburg for vacation. Being a big history lover I was stoked to see the battlefield. The weather was amazing and the atmosphere was somber and peaceful. The first day was mostly spent at the museum and walking parts of the battlefield. Nothing really happened until we were getting ready for bed in the hotel room. My brother sat up suddenly in bed and ran to the door opening it and stepping into the hallway. We asked him if he was okay and he asked us if we had heard men yelling orders and cannon fire. We had four people in the room and no one else heard anything. The next day while we were on the battlefield near Devil's Den it felt as if someone was constantly following behind us even though no one was there. That second night as we got ready for bed there was cannon fire, and this time we all heard it including some of the other guests who came out into the hallway. The third day we were at Little Round Top and I decided to crawl between some rocks to get a perspective of what the sharpshooters would have seen. While laying on my stomach I felt someone lay a hand on my shoulder and whisper in my ear, I see him. At first I thought it was my brother until I heard him call my name from the statue that sits off to the side. It was so odd after that I kept feeling as if I was about to turn around and bump into someone. It got to the point I turned around and I felt extremely cold as if I had walked into a freezer. My mother who was beside me also noticed the temperature difference and commented how odd it was. Later that evening about an hour before the sun went down me and my mom took the car to see a couple more things and take some pictures. 
We were at the high water mark taking pictures and thinking about what could have been going through those poor men's thoughts. It brought tears to our eyes and we both heard a man say don't cry for me lass. The atmosphere shifted and it felt extremely peaceful and relaxing. It was as if whoever it was was trying to comfort us. We both sat there for a while until it was time to go. As we walked back to where we parked the car there was a couple sitting beside their car. They said hello and we had a small conversation and in mid-conversation we all stopped talking. From the battlefield we all heard fifes and drums. The couple seemed unnerved and they got up said goodbye and got into their car. We decided that it was time to leave since it was almost dark and no one should be on the battlefield at night. Our last day there we toured Eisenhower's home and then toured Big Round Top. Eventually my brother and father wanted to go back to the hotel so we took them back. We decided to go back to Big Round Top seeing as it was our last day to explore. We parked the car and walked into the forest. We had about two hours before the sun set and no one was around. About 20 minutes into the hike my mom stopped and I was about to ask what was wrong when I heard footsteps. There were multiple footsteps that we could hear, and they stopped. Then when we would start walking again the footsteps would start up again. At one point we decided to turn back and my mother needed a rest so we sat on a boulder. It suddenly got quiet to the point there were no crickets, birds, or any other forest sounds. Then all at once we heard horses snorting and trotting slash galloping past us. Then it full on sounded like we were in the middle of a battle. Bugles sounding, clashing of swords, muskets firing and lots of men yelling. We were in complete shock and it lasted for a couple minutes then it all stopped. We started talking about what we had just witnessed and then we heard several men calling out, help, help me, I don't want to die, and crying. It was so overwhelming that we booked it back to where we parked the car and when we got to the car a park ranger was there. He took one look at us and asked, what did you all see or hear? We explained what had happened and he told us that he had stopped a man he thought was a Union soldier reenactor. He had told him he wasn't allowed on the battlefield after dark. He said the man smiled and with a shrug carried on. He said he was about to stop him again when the soldier walked through a tree and disappeared. We went back to the hotel and the next morning as we were eating our breakfast in the dining area before checkout me my mother and brother heard a bugle playing, but no one else in the dining area seemed to hear it. It was all a bunch of strange events, but we did go back and we had even more experiences the second time. We have several pictures where you can clearly see soldiers on horseback and soldiers around the different spots on the battlefields. I may upload pictures if I can. If you get a chance it is a great place for history and the paranormal.